0: Welcome to the podcast, A Moon in the Dark, with Ellen Blake.
1: We are so excited you're here. Take a minute to rate and review the podcast, and go to amooninthedark.com to get your Christmas ebook. Join us now as my son John and I hop into the book of Luke and meet the first two characters in the Christmas story. So many people are flocking to Griffin, Georgia to get to Rustic Lantern. Have you been yet? If not, have you seen our app? Have you been online to RusticLanternCo.com? Christmas decorations, clothing, Christmas gifts. Check her out at RusticLanternCo.com. We're glad you're here. Please join in the conversation. Hey, Mom. Hey, John.
0: Thanks for having me a part of the conversation in Loop today. And I know that this story is special to you, Mom, because you have a story of infertility. And I'm partly named for the John in this story. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about Luke first and why we're we're reading this author?
1: Yes, I'm super excited to talk to you today, John. But the author, Luke, he was a physician that traveled with Paul, Mm -hmm. and he was an eyewitness to the events in Acts, especially the second half of Acts, we know. So he was hired to put together an orderly account. He interviewed eyewitnesses for the book of Luke. And as scholars have looked into the way in which he uses So many uh, leaders, correct names, places, even weather patterns. Uh, It's clear that he did do investigation and that he was trying to be accurate with his account.
0: Hmm. That is encouraging. Let's jump in. So, this is Luke chapter 1. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us, they used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught.
1: When Herod was king of Judea, there was a a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old.
0: One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying.
1: While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly.
0: Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years.
1: Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time.
0: Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, She exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So what do we see here? We see God moving in history and inviting people to join him. And so mom, I know that in the next episode, you and dad are going to focus on God's movement with Zechariah. And today we're going to talk about Elizabeth's more personal experience. And so Tell us, Mom, about your personal experience. Let me hear your story.
1: Well, yes. Yeah, so you are six years younger than your older brother, Daniel. We experienced infertility, what they call secondary infertility, and just I don't know. I just want to share how God actually just moved during that story and moved in our lives. Um,
0: yeah. Do you do you relate to Elizabeth at all?
1: Well. Elizabeth, here we don't know how she felt, but we do know that the prevailing belief of the time was that a woman who could not bear children had some, there was something wrong with her, some sin that she had committed. And I can only imagine what she could have gone through with the, you know, people around her gossiping or speculating about some secret sin she might have had or. Um uh, so there's a lot of emotions for a woman when she's trying to get pregnant and a lot of waiting and ups and downs, confusion. I do remember one time sharing with my friend Martha, who was here on furlough from Kenya, you know, I said, Is there something, is there some reason, you know, God doesn't maybe God thinks I'm gonna be a bad mother or I am a bad mother. Do you think that's why, you know, we're having trouble getting pregnant? And she said, No, of course not. That's not how God does things. That isn't how God moves. But so I do um hmm. It makes it breaks my heart to know that so many women were under such a bad belief system, and it breaks my heart that some people today are under bad belief systems of different kinds. But for me, uh, what God did during that waiting, He did a lot of things. I think the main thing to share today is that how He brought your dad and me together to really go before the Lord and say, okay, what do you want us to do? Because we could have, we had a lot of options. We could just have an only child. We could have adopted, fostered. We could have gone um, the route that people go to have medical interventions of their variety of kinds. And this is just our story. There's no condemnation for anyone taking any of those routes. Just the story is that we could see that the best thing for us to do was to go before the Lord and, get our hearts in a position where we would, where our wills would desire to align with whatever God's will ended up being. Mm. And then we had to learn to watch for his answer and to listen to what his answer would be. So we just had to come to a point where we just gave it all to the Lord and said, okay, whatever you want us to do is what we want to do. And, um, it's, you know, it taught us that life is not always about us. We don't get to to write our own story. God writes our story. He has his own timing. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are bigger than our ways. And we don't get to just, you know, make our own plan. Mm. And that he loves for us to depend on him and come to the end of our own clever, you know, devices and to actually ask him, what does he want?
0: Mm. Yes. And so that phrase that you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. What do you think about that?
1: Mm. You know, It was pointed out to me, thankfully, that that is not a true statement. Um, I'm so glad that a friend of mine pointed me to 2 Corinthians 1, where Paul is sharing his experience of severe hardship, and he says that um, we were under great pressure, Far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God. So it has been a joy to come to the place to know that God does bring us hardships where we feel like we are, we're almost in a vice, we're in a grip, that we, the pressure is great. But God does that so that we would depend on Him. For his power and his strength and also just go to him in relationship in a deeper relationship of listening and abiding in what he has and surrender so all of those things are um, something he likes to do with hardship and there's a refining process that he does with those of us who have hardship and and surrender
0: Could you maybe tell us a little bit more about like what it's like to be in that position of, of that surrender and, um, the, yeah, just submission to his will and what that looks like and how that was for you
1: in that time or in life in general,
0: either, both.
1: Yes. So my parents taught me that I could do anything I put my mind to. And that was well-intentioned, you know, to help me to do my best and to look forward and look ahead but really it implied that i would have everything within me to tackle life and when life showed me that that wasn't true that was hard hmm. that was a hard moment of realization and it refocused me that i don't have the personal power to solve all the problems that uh that life comes you know throws at you yeah. and so it helped me to depend on him so really those are two belief systems we've already covered that Are incorrect, that people believe they're incorrect. Have you seen ways that people have lived under incorrect belief systems today? Oh, yes. How they might be hurt by an incorrect belief.
0: I mean, their prime example are these two roommates that I know, one of whom, um, like, both they grew up in the church and with the church, you know, alongside them, and um, one was really hurt by it and has totally rejected it and... um, how like his family just did not treat him well because of his lifestyle and what he chose to do. And um, then this other, his roommate who grew up in the same way, except he is pursuing it and um, is believing, both are believing that Christianity is a set of rules and that is not, that is not the truth. That is a lie. Um, and so one is um, thinking that he can do it on his own, but is you know not actually tr- experiencing true freedom that is offered in Jesus Christ, and the other is is in the same way um, trapped in a lifestyle that he's um, also not free. And yeah, so these I definitely see that these these wrong belief systems are lies, and they they need to be replaced with truth. What would you What do you have to say to people suffering under these? religious lies and these false belief systems.
1: Yes, it, it almost, you know, the the word Christian almost has, certainly around the world, it has a bad connotation in places. And, and you know, I can see in our culture today here in the States where it, it can get a bad name because there's a Christian, quote-unquote, like, way to do things. And some people, like you're saying, both of those guys believe we have to work our way up to God and when reality, the reality of Jesus and the good news that he, he comes down to us and he has his arms wide open no matter where we've been, and what we've done, because we can't achieve it on our own. And so it breaks my heart for people to run away from him thinking that he's a bunch of rules when really he's full of grace and he's full of love. And um, I can see the heartbreak in both of those situations and the dead end, really, that it leads to.
0: Mm.
1: I'm thankful uh, for the trials, not only the one of waiting on you and David to come. Um, I'm thankful for what the Lord taught us during that time. But I'm thankful for the other hardships that uh, I've had to show that it's not my power at all, but the Lord's power to um, to carry out what he wants me to do. It's like a lot of times I would think through the years about the five loaves and two fish. I can see that my five loaves and two fish will not at all supply the need of the day. (laughs) Mm. But I bring them to the Lord and say, okay, you can take these. I don't possibly have what it takes, you know, what it takes to raise three boys, what it takes to just do whatever it is that I was called to do at the time. And I have seen for years that I, it's not within me to be able to to handle life that only through God's power and I find that throughout second Corinthians honestly um, where Paul over and over again says that' it's his, God shows his strength through weakness.
0: So what does that look like when you're leaning on God like what does that? What does that look like if, if someone to see you in that? Uh, can you can you give us a little bit more of how do you do that and how can we emulate that or um, yeah, what else do you have to say?
1: Wow, that's an interesting question. One of the things, when I think back to the story of waiting on you if, and, and 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 trying to discern what to do, because we had decisions to make. The funny thing is, I think God has such a sense of humor, is that I <laughs> I was studying Genesis. For two full years, so I studied it in one Bible study. If you're with us in the last episode, I told you about how I fell in love with Bible study around 27, age 27, and um, really tried to live my life alongside Bible study. So I would I would go to Bible study regularly and study whatever the group was studying, you know, and God put my life alongside. Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael for two full years during this time. So he wanted me to see (laughs) the mistake of going ahead of God and not asking God what to do.
0: What an experience and what a surprise and the way that God works and his, he's just good. He is so good. And when we trust him to be the author and that we step out of that position and allow him to write our stories, he really does write it well.
1: Mm, I love that.
0: It's fun I, to be a part of. <laughs>
1: yes. I saw a sign in a bathroom recently that said something like this. Faith in God is also faith in God's timing. Yeah. And I found that he, he's really never late. <laughs> he might not be early very often. and so, uh, But he's never late. And he knows far better what we need. And he uses everything for the good of those who are called according to his purpose in Romans 8. So I wish we could share more of the story. And maybe another time I can share the full story of how God uh, answered our questions. How he led us in our journey of infertility. And how the joy of not only having you but also having your brother David. And uh, just seeing what God has done and seeing that it was His timing. He wanted you to be born when you were born. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't our place to choose that. And we're so thankful for all that He did in the meantime. And, you know, the unfulfilled longings that people have, um, they're not guaranteed to come, you know, to, to be filled in this world. And what we need to show before we leave today really is that God wants us to see that He fulfills all our longings, that, you know, a baby is not going to fill the place. So, so many times we think, if only I were married, then I would be happy. If only I had a baby, then I would be fulfilled. But Jesus wants us to see that He is the only thing that satisfies.
0: Yes, so true.
1: Thank you for being here today, John.
0: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Things are flying off the shelves at Rustic Lantern and Griffin. But no worries, Ashley Martin's got you covered. They're always restocking, they ship all over the country, get their app, come by their showroom in Griffin, and have a great start to your Christmas. Join us next time as I sit down with my husband Otis, and we talk about the rest of the story with Zachariah and the angel Gabriel. But for now, I leave you with peace for your day, and peace
0: for your night.